In the first reading today, we hear, Thus says the Lord, I will send fugitives to the nations. And a little later on, And they shall proclaim my glory among the nations. They shall bring all your brothers and sisters from all the nations as an offering to the Lord. In this reading from Isaiah, the Lord is telling us about the new creation at the end of all time, where God is going to gather all of his children back to himself. And this hopeful passage tells us that even before Christ was born, God had planned to invite all of the world back. He planned to save all of the world. But there's something a little odd about that passage. He says that he will send fugitives. Why fugitives? What's that all about? It is is as if God is saying his messengers will not be welcome in the world. It's as if he's saying they're going to have to sneak past the masters of this world to get that message of the good news out to all of humanity. But if you think about it, those words of the prophet Isaiah are exactly right. Because we have this evil one, Satan, constantly trying to distract us from God. He's constantly trying to steal our soul away from God. He shows us the wide and easy gate through which we might travel in this world, knowing that we have to strive for that narrow gate, as Jesus said in the gospel today. And the devil does not offer us this easy and wide road because he cares about us or because he wants us to have a nice, easy life. No, the devil hates us. And if we take his offer and follow that wide, easy path to the wide, easy gate, we're going to pay for it for all of eternity. Instead, we have to do the hard thing. We have to remember that teaching from Hebrews that teaching from Hebrews that will help us get to the narrow gate. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. It's not as if God wants to see us suffer, as if he wants to allow us to experience this discipline. You know, when I was growing up, I remember my parents saying anytime they had to punish me that it hurt them more than me. Now, at the time, I thought that was pure, utter nonsense. But as I've grown older, I think I'm finally starting to understand what they were talking about. They were, being to, they were being forced to inflict some sort of suffering on this child whom they loved, me in many cases, in order to help their child learn how to behave and just be a normally functioning human being. Again, it took me a little while. I'm a little hard-headed. And if that's true for my parents... If it hurts them to have to discipline me, imagine how true it is for God. Because as much as my parents love me, God loves me more than any human being is possible of loving me. He doesn't want to see any of us suffer. In fact, it actually hurts God to see us suffer. Let, it, let that sink in for just a moment. When we suffer, it hurts God. When we suffer, God suffers right along with us. 
In fact, he wants nothing more than for us to be healed. He could, he could cure all of our pains. He could sweep it all away in an instant. But he doesn't. And why? Why is that? That's really the question, isn't it? Why does God allow sufferings? Why does he allow terrible things to happen to me, to the people I care about, or just to people in general? That's the question that's tragically led to so many people leaving our faith because they can't find an answer that satisfies them. So many people can only think that the answer is that God must hate us, that he must enjoy watching us suffer. But as I just told you, there could be nothing further from the truth. The only reason that God can possibly allow us to suffer is so that we can learn. The letter from the Hebrews speaks to this. It says that all discipline seems a cause not for joy but for pain. Yet later, it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. Brothers and sisters, without enduring some kind of suffering, we can't grow strong in righteousness. Without that growth, we're not going to have that strength that we need that Jesus tells us about in the gospel today to enter through that narrow gate. We have to stay strong and courageous through our sufferings so that as the prayers of today's Mass say, God can perfect and sustain us through these trials. And so that through these trials, we can learn to fix our hearts on that place where true gladness is found, heaven. These trials that we endure are where we learn to show that courageous strength, where we grow in that fortitude that's going to allow us to endure those trials and those persecutions for the Lord, with the Lord. This is what all the saints did. St. Monica, for example, prayed for over two decades before her son, Augustine, finally converted. And what a conversion that was. He became a doctor of the church and the biggest theologian for like a thousand years. Not even exaggerating that, by the way. St. Maximilian Kolbe and Father Emil Capon stared at evil in the face. And their response was to bring hope to all of those people around them to be that face of God to those around them. And that led to so many more surviving those horrible places. Saint, John, Saint Pope John Paul II suffered his entire life. First, he had to endure the Nazi occupation of Poland. Later, he had to survive an assassination attempt, which, by the way, afterwards, he went and forgave the man who shot him. If that's not courage, I don't know what is. And finally, he endured Parkinson's disease, and not privately, but on a stage so that the whole world could see. We've also got St. Mother Teresa, who struggled with a spiritual darkness, which was incredibly painful for her for over 40 years. These are examples of that heroic courage, of that heroic endurance that the saints live. So in our prayers, let us offer our sufferings to the Lord. And remember that he suffers right along with us on that cross.
And let us ask him to give us the courage to follow him and the strength to follow him on that narrow path to eternal life.